0: Amen. And if you would remain standing and grab your Bibles, make your way to the book of Proverbs. Uh, We're going to be anchored primarily in Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19 this morning. But as you make your way there, we're going to actually be all over the book of Proverbs because today we are going to be talking about the topic of pride. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Uh, Specifically, we're going to be in Proverbs 16. Uh, Proverbs 6, 16 through 17, Proverbs 11, 2, 13, 10, Proverbs 15, 25, Proverbs 16, 18, and 19, and Proverbs 26, 12. I'm just going to read through all of these together. We'll have the references for you on the screen along with the words. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to Him. Haughty eyes. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, be amongst us as we open your word and look at your scriptures. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear for the very thing which you are going after in our lives this morning is the very thing we protect the most. We need wisdom that is beyond us. Wisdom that is outside of us. And we know that that is what your word does through the power of your Holy Spirit. May we decrease this morning and you increase, God. May you give us a spirit of humility to receive your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, aloha to you, Showbreak Church. Ohana. It is so great worshiping Jesus with you all this morning. We really are thankful and stoked that you're here, that we're together, that we got our Bibles open, hopefully hearts open, ready to receive from the Word of God. We are in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, and what Proverbs is, if you're new or, or you just need a refresher, is Proverbs is an Old Testament book on wisdom that has a collection of ethical sayings that are often given in word pictures that contrast the wisdom of God, godly wisdom, versus uh, human wisdom, which we would call a.k.a. human foolishness, because humans in and of themselves do not have wisdom, hence The reason why we have the book of Proverbs is because we need wisdom from above. We need wisdom from God. And Proverbs isn't as much about methods to apply. Oftentimes Christians read through the book of Proverbs. Maybe you've read through the book of Proverbs. Oh, here's a truth. I need to apply it. It's a method I need to live out. Now, we should always apply truth to our lives. But Proverbs isn't as much about applying methods as it is a revealed pathway of who you and I should become in our faith, who we should be as a people of God. Wisdom, this book, Proverbs, is taking what we know and help, helping show us how we should leave these truths out in our lives. It's chokmah, that's this wisdom. And, and since we've devoted ourselves to studying the book of Proverbs, we've said um, we're learning about godly wisdom for human flourishing. We're seeing godly wisdom that brings about human flourishing. And one of the greatest enemies to both knowing and understanding godly wisdom and experiencing true human flourishing is pride. Pride prevents you and me from receiving God's wisdom and from flourishing as humans made in the image of God. It's so poisonous that pride ruins our relationship with God and keeps us from fully indulging in the flourish God would have you and me live in. And Here's the thing about pride. There is no immunity to pride. There's no flu shot for Pride. There is no escape from pride. There is no exception to the rule when it comes to pride. There is no method for pride. Imagine if there was a method for you to apply for prideful people that at the end of living out all those methods, you would become humble. Guess what happens right when you achieve humility? You become prideful. See, no, no one is humble. No one can say, I'm humble. Great, because you just became prideful when you did, right? Right? doesn't work that way, and so when it comes to us thinking about Proverbs, when it comes to us understanding wisdom, I want us to consider initially, right off the get-go, because everything else I'm going to say is going to be white noise if you do not think, consider, and believe Proverbs 26, 12, which says, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, the fool is like one of the most offensive things that could ever be spoken of in the Bible. A fool is a stupid, moronic person. And there's more hope for a stupid, moronic, foolish person than there is for someone who thinks he is wise. So if you think you're wise, you're never more foolish. But if you know, and if you are aware of your own foolishness, okay, now now there's something to work with. Now there's a level of teachability and humility hopefully by the grace of God through his Holy Spirit that we could receive all that is here. And since everyone has large or residual pride living in their hearts, we need wisdom, wisdom for the proud. And so when we consider wisdom for the proud, really we're going to three places this morning. We're going to consider the origins of pride, the anatomy of pride, and hope for the proud origins of pride anatomy of pride and then hope for the proud origins of pride i draw your attention to proverbs 11:2 it says when pride comes then comes disgrace notice it does not say when pride comes it's a possibility disgrace will come Gr- uh, disgrace is optional No, it's disgrace will follow those who are prideful. There's no escape. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. And I think one of the most vivid pictures of pride that leads to disgrace when it comes to the scriptures is when pride entered the scene of humanity through original sin via Adam. And Eve. And there's no greater picture of, of Proverbs eleven, two, than the garden. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. Because in the Garden of Eden, The enemy of God, Satan, who himself was a self-glorifying, prideful, disgraceful creature who fell so far from grace and from God, who himself is full of pride, tempted Eve to partake of the fruit and the garden. And what was the core of that temptation to eat of that fruit? Eat of this fruit and you will be like God. What is that an appeal to? Pride. 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 There's an appeal to her pride. You can be like God. And the way they sinned, mind you, yes, was eating of the fruit. But how they sinned was pride. I love what St. Augustine says. He said, pride is pregnant with all possible sin. Anytime sin gives birth, it is always because it was first pregnant with pride because the first original sin that was committed through Adam and Eve was, in fact, the act of pride. Because God spoke, God revealed, God gave them all the knowledge that they needed to know, to know him, to enjoy him, to glorify him, and to flourish as humans. But they wanted to be their own God. They wanted to blaze their own trail. They were being wise in their own eyes. And as Proverbs 11.2 so clearly tells you and me, when pride comes, then comes disgrace how much disgrace has creation itself and humanity experienced from Adam and Eve's sin? Disgrace beyond comprehension. Through them, ultimate, the ultimate sin of pride has disgraced all of us. It is causing all of us to fall into sin because through them, original sin has been inherited to you and to me. Now, you might be like, original sin? Come on. Original sin, Travis? Where is that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, there's the pregnancy of sin that brings about death, so death spread to all men because all sinned. There's the doctrine of original sin. We are sinners by nature, it's who we are, and we are sinners because our evil wills desire sin. And ever since then, every heart has been plagued with sinful pride. You guys, pride is in our culture. Pride is in the heart of every person. It's in the people you love. It's in the people you hate. Pride is in all of us, including the church. Let's not be so foolish to think we stand high and lifted up as we are above pride, not true at all. So It's the origin of original pride, what pride does to you and to me. How about the anatomy of pride then? What is the makeup? What what does pride do? What does pride look like? What is its DNA, its anatomy? Well, like our first parents, Adam and Eve, the anatomy of pride is we want to be our own God. We would rather blaze our own trail. We are wise in our own eyes. And pride, you guys, this pride separates us from God. It does. It's inevitable. It has to separate us from God because we believe the lie that we are a better God than God is God. And God will have none of that. God has no rivals. There is no rival of God. There is only one true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit eternally existing as one God in three persons. And He has no rivals. He glorifies Himself. And anyone who thinks He is God reveals that they are in fact Foolish above any other person or anyone else. This is what pride does. Pride bends us inwardly, where we become the center of our universe, where life is all about us. Sadly, the more pride we have, the less we see we are actually prideful. We're falling on our own sword, and we don't realize it, thinking we're killing our enemies. Sin blinds us from seeing our own, so- our own pride. So the question then is not... If we have pride, the question is how much pride remains in us that God needs to purge and to cleanse and to sanctify out of our lives. Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Our main focus in these verses warns us about this. It says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit Before a fall. Some of the most prideful people in the Bible were the most religious people. So, just in case our hearts are straying, let's be very careful this morning. Because in the Bible, the most prideful people who fell furthest from grace. Were religious people who read the Bible, who prayed, who attended gatherings and who sang songs. Yet while they did all of those things, weaved within the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religion was the poison of pride. And because of their pride, their destruction and fall was so evil, they murdered God. They killed the very one God had sent to save them from their sins, yet their pride blinded them from it. We have to be careful. Why would they do this though? Why would these prideful religious people do this? Because what pride does is it it insulates position. They wanted to protect their own power. They wanted to live in the center of attention. But pride goes before destruction. That's what this verse says And when we choose the way of pride, you were promised that destruction will follow at some point. And whenever you see pride animated in the Bible, the people of the Bible, I I would say it this way, that the pride is always the elevation of self at the expense of others. Right? Think about the Pharisees. To protect, to insulate, to guard their position, their authority, their influence, their wealth. They had to elevate themselves in the court of the opinion of man. And in doing so, they had to disgrace Jesus. Pride is the posture of seeing yourself as superior, as wiser, or more successful, or ironically more holy. I'm so much more holy than they are. And maybe you're like, no, 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 that's, that's not my thing. Okay, fine, then maybe your pride is, is you're more hip, you're more stylish, you're ironically more humble. Look how humble I am. Those people are so prideful, right? And whether it's boastful arrogance or false humility, know this, all of it is pride. Pride is the elevation of self at the expense of others. I cannot help but think of John 13. Um, At the Last Supper, Jesus is with his disciples, and before they eat, before there's a meal, Jesus gets down and he washes all the disciples' feet, and he gets to Peter. And in what seems like this amazing, brilliant act of humility, Peter's like, oh Lord, don't wash my feet. It's interesting. Jesus says to Peter, and I'm paraphrasing, if you do not let me do this to you, you have no part in me. So then Peter like overreacts. It's like wash my whole body, and it's like no, please, Peter. What seriously? You had to take it there. <laughs> it's not about washing feet. What what what's going on there? Well, Peter had a false sense of humility. It seemed like he was being humble. No no no, you can't go there. You ta- uh uh-uh, uh no. If you will not let me serve you as God, if you do not let God serve you and bless you and go to the dirty areas of your life, Peter, you have no part in me. It's a false humility that we often can take and we can think, oh, I'm just being so, just being so humble, but we're really not. So pride is the elevation of self at the expense of others. See, Peter, at the end of the day, didn't want to make himself vulnerable. Pride. Pride is also a hyper-awareness of self. It's just a hyper-awareness of self, which, by the way, can include the, like, people who seem to be humble and can include people who... Because even people who are kind of low and they're down and they're hard on themselves, what are they constantly thinking about? Themselves. Which is just a twisted form of pride. They're conscious of themselves. People who are prideful are always thinking about themselves. Who's the first person you look for when a picture? You. It just is. You don't like when you're like looking at the crew through pictures or Christmas cards, you're kind of trying to pick up a family Christmas card. You're like, I don't like this one. Why? Everyone looks great. You're like, no, I don't look good, right? We are consumed with self. We have mirrors everywhere. In fact, our, our culture says it's all about you. The customer is right, always right. No, they're not. I was a barista for five years at Starbucks. The customer is not always right. I promise you that. They're not right. Some of the baristas are clapping right now. Amen, baristas. Well, I like, have this moment right now. Let's enjoy it, okay? Um, seriously, though, the customer is not right. they wrong. But, the, but, but culture says, oh, no, no, but you're always right. You can live for yourself. You can live, like, No, no. Somehow, but, but we are prideful. We have a hyper-awareness of self. Okay, um, pride also, parts uh, uh, other aspects of the anatomy of pride. Pride is the pleasure of being better than everyone else. How does he know all of these things? Because I, I am all these things. Proverbs thirteen ten. hear this. Pride leads to conflict. Or with the insolent, the SV there is much conflict. Actually, like the NIV in Proverbs thirteen ten, it says, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride leads to conflict. Hmm. In other words, conflict is always a close companion of the prideful. Anytime my kids are in conflict over their toys... Anytime adults are in conflict over their toys, because they're just bigger and more expensive, but our property lines, our boats, our cars, our things, our whatever. Anytime there are conflicts between spouses or, or friends or what have you, it is prideful people insulating their life. Just like the Pharisees, we insulate our life, we protect ourselves, we live as though we are the center of attention and we matter most. And when I am a prideful husband, father, friend, or pastor, I cause destruction and conflict in my own life. I've seen it in my own life. The other pastors, the other people in the church have experienced that. My wife and my kids have seen that. Those who I love, who are friends, have experienced the destruction that my own pride can cause. And one way I know I am being prideful is when I realize the conflict that I am in is because my pride has led me there. Is the conflict you are in? A result of you insulating, protecting, and elevating yourself at the expense of others, or you are the center of you, you. You have a hyper awareness of self, or pride leads to conflict. Another way to measure pride is in the same verse, Proverbs thirteen ten: Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. How are those truths connected? Well, they are because it's the inspired word of God. And I believe you can gauge your pride by your willingness to take and receive advice. Pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. So you can gauge your pride by your willingness or your unwillingness to receive advice. See, the prideful person, they have to know everything, right? Right? The prideful person is offended that someone would even think that you potentially, maybe slightly, need some level of advice. One year, my wife, for Christmas, gave me deodorant. Is that a gift? You know? Like, is that really a gift? It is. It is. It's the gift that keeps on giving for her anyway, but... When I received that, I did not take that. It was a gift available to me, but in my pride, I had a hard time swallowing that gift. And prideful people have often a hard time swallowing, taking what is true, receiving what is true. And, and on this, this thought, on Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. When it comes to conflict even, like have you ever seen two humble people just fighting? Like <laughs> No, it's just, no, you just don't. Okay, let's get more pride. Okay, how about a a, a person who is prideful and a person who is humble? You, you seen that? There, there's some fighting. There's some sparks fly. <laughs> how about two prideful people? I mean, sparks fly. It gets ugly. See, where, where you have two conf- conflicting people who are because they're prideful, there's just war all the time. Oftentimes when you have a, a prideful person and a humble person, there's often abuse, some form of abuse, right? Because one person is constantly taking. And then, but God's ideal is that we would be humble. That we would all be humble. Those who listen, those who understand, they don't need to know everything. They, they don't have to be better than others. They can take advice. They are teachable. They are humble. So proud people live in conflict. They're unwilling to take advice. And because of it, they can't be near God can't be near God, and this is why God hates pride. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. God hates? No. God doesn't hate. Come on, Travis. God is a God of love. The God that I worship He loves. He is gracious. He does not hate. If you have a God who does not have the capacity, the righteous capacity to have anger and hatred towards that which offends Him, you are worshiping a God that is not of the Bible. You are worshiping an idol that you created in your mind who does not exist. God, yes, he is love, but God also hates. And in Proverbs chapter 6, there is a list of things that God hates. In Proverbs 6, 16, it says there are six things that the Lord hates. And if that word hates offends you, then just keep reading on because seven are an abomination to him. You think hate is a strong word? Look at what abomination means in the Hebrew. It's stronger than hate. And what does God hate? The first thing he says in Proverbs six seventeen is a person with haughty eyes. And what is that? What, what are haughty eyes? A proud look. A person with a nose up in the air. A person who is marked by arrogance. So this is the person who has false humility. This person just... Haughty eyes. In James 4.16, the New Testament book on wisdom, it says God opposes the proud. Just because we're new covenant doesn't mean God has changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he still opposes the proud. Six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes eyes. Nothing is worse for your relationship with the God who created you than thinking your own God, that you're your own God by being prideful. So here's the warning of wisdom. Here's wisdom for the proud. Don't be what God opposes. Don't be what God opposes. So, okay, the origins of pride is that sin, original sin comes from pride. It's the It's the pregnancy that births all other sins. It's an attempt to be our own God. The anatomy of pride is that God hates it and that it strains our relationship with him and with others. And we've heard the warnings now, but what hope is there for the proud? What wisdom does Solomon offer to you and to me since we are all proud people? Proverbs 16, 19. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So here this verse is saying it's better to be with, to be with low, to be with those who have nothing, than to discover earth's hidden treasures and be with the proud. You might be thinking, You said this last point was hope for the proud. (laughs) How is associating with the lowly hope for the proud? When we understand our heart's natural orientation is bent towards self-exaltation, we are beginning to move towards wisdom and flourishing. When we see we don't like Proverbs 16, 19 very much, it reveals to you and to me our need for humility. I don't know if I like Proverbs 69. Okay, now we're beginning to see we are prideful and we need Proverbs 16, 19 because pride has no place in the kingdom of God. Wisdom calls to us, calls out to you and me, and it says, be humble. For Proverbs eleven two 2 says, when pride comes, Then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Disgrace and conflict are always with the prideful, but wisdom is with those who are humble. 1 Peter 5.5, 1 Peter writes, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Humility. Just so you know, this is the opposite of what our culture is telling us today. Our culture is selling a completely different narrative. They say, clothe yourself with humility. No, what do they say? Clothe yourself with self-esteem. Clothe yourself with self-help. Exalt yourself. You're awesome. You're amazing. You're the best thing that ever happened in this world. You're better than everyone else. Self-esteem, and that's what they're selling people. And it's a fancy word for pride. Pride? Self-esteem is just a fancy word for pride. You can call it self-esteem, self-worship. That's what it is. And telling someone who struggles with pride, who is already self-consumed, telling them they just need to focus on self is like telling a dehydrated person, go down to the ocean and satisfy your thirst by just drinking salt water. The self-esteem narrative tells people life flourishes most when you're in the center of existence. When life is all about you, when you love yourself, when you help yourself, when you lift yourself up, that is foolish and it's flaming, fanning the flames of self-worship. And what this type of self-esteem, this evil, wicked perversion of self-worship, it destroys women, it destroys children, uh, families, leaders, friendships, pastors, you name it, it destroys it. Why? Because when pride comes, then comes disgrace. So what is our hope? Our hope is that you don't have to be the greatest version of yourself. Our hope is that you and I We don't have to help ourselves. We don't have to be our best. We don't have to focus on self-esteem or self-help. We don't have to be the center of our universe. We don't need self-esteem. We don't need self-help. We need Jesus. And the only hope for the proud is Jesus. We need His grace. We need His forgiveness. We need His gospel. We need Him to save us from our self-esteem and from our self-worship. That's what we need. So when it comes to the way we view our lives, and again, I don't, want, I don't want to focus too much on ourselves during this message, but how do we view ourselves here? We are all proudful people pursuing humility by God's grace. What is a Christian? What, if you're not a Christian and you're hearing this talk and you're just listening to me and thinking about the other people in here, like, wow, these people are like seriously are off their rocker. No, we are all prideful people pursuing humility by the grace of God. And we never stop, do we? We just keep pursuing. Because your life flourishes most when you are not in the center. But when Jesus is, your life flourishes most when you agree with John the Baptist. I must decrease; he must increase. The Westminster Catechism, the first thing that it mentions as far as what we should believe as Christians, says that the chief end of man, the existence of man, the purpose of man, is to live for His own glory. In other words, we the chief end of man is that we do not live for our own selfish glory, but we live for a glory greater than our own. We exist to be low and exalt the name of the lord and while pride calls for self-glory and exaltation humility calls give away glory live for a greater glory than your own in fact the antithesis of glorifying god is human pride the antithesis of bringing glory to the name of the lord is our selfish human pride so what do we do we clothe ourselves with humility Proverbs 16, 19, it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. How on earth do we do this? How? The Holy Spirit must open our eyes to see and convince our hearts to believe that it is actually better to associate with the lowly than with the proud. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And hear me on this. The reason why Proverbs 69 is so good is because there is no one more lowly and no one more poor than Jesus, who left riches and glory in heaven And came to this earth and clothed himself in humanity and clothed and wrapped himself in humility as God. And the gospel is the good news that Jesus took on a humility you and I would never be willing to take on for ourselves. Jesus comes for proud sinners who never wanted to live for His glory or to make much of Him. And only those who associate with the lowliness of the cross will be lifted up by God. And if you are unwilling to associate with the lowliness of Christ on the cross, if you and I are unwilling to identify and and be with his lowliness and the bloody death of Jesus on the tree, God opposes you. To be so prideful, to not want to identify with Christ and his death. God says, Oh, I oppose you. And he will say one day, if you do not repent of that pride, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Hey, there's another way. By his spirit, through his word and his grace towards you, you can humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And what is the promise? He will what? Lift you up. The way up in the kingdom of God is the way down. The lower we become, the more he exalts, the more we live for someone else's glory, the more ourselves we can enjoy his flourishing. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Know you can never save yourself. Believe that your life will flourish most, not when you are in the center, but when he is. So hear me. Your hope is that you can associate with Christ on the cross. For when you do, he will bring you up. And even if it means death, even if it means shame, even if it means experience horrible sin, tragedy and rejection on this earth, there is a greater resurrection coming. And in the end, he will resurrect us from the dead and we'll be with him in glory. True glory in the kingdom of God comes through humility. I'm gonna close with this part of the sermon with G- Jesus' own words in Luke 14, 11. Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Be humble or be humbled. Let's pray. Father God, may we be a humble people <laughs> and we are prideful and may you purge us of our pride. And even as we're praying now, if there are those in here who are Christians, who identify with you, who associate with the loneliness of the cross, but they've the cross is no longer beautiful or sweet, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you restore to them the joy of your salvation? Would they... Would they taste and see again that you are good? Would they believe on your name as a result of your grace towards them? That it is only by death will we experience everlasting life, death to our sin, death to us trying to be our own God. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for every person in here. It is an honor and a privilege to be with them and for us to hear from your word. May shore break. May we as Christians, may we as a people be marked with this humility that you would have for us. God, we thank you for grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.